0: My guest today is Tom Greiner, the Senior Managing Director and Technology Lead at Accenture Federal Services. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thanks
1: for having me aboard, Jason.
0: Today we're talking about cloud services and specifically the cost, the benefits of cloud and how to measure that. I think a lot of agencies have been looking at this to say, we know there's a lot of benefits of cloud services. We've talked about agility and speed and, and scalability, but how are agencies really managing those costs and ensure that they are if you will, not overspending or not not getting into Anti-Deficiency Act work areas. So let me start at the beginning of the conversation. When Accenture Federal Services works with government clients, what's the state of cloud today? What are some of those broad trends you're seeing?
1: You can even just notice by public record the number of cloud-specific procurements that have come out. And when I'm talking about cloud, in this context, I'm referring less to SaaS software. And more to IaaS or PaaS, so infrastructure or platform as a service capabilities, the number and size of procurements coming out of agencies, I'd say is probably threefold what it was last year, which was threefold the year before. So the momentum is notably picking up as folks are increasingly you know, embracing cloud, unafraid of it, and are getting pushed by their missions to take advantage of what is available in the cloud.
0: I had a conversation with the good folks at the General Services Administration just recently, and they told me that in 2021, agencies spent, this is just through GSA, about $1.6 billion on cloud services. They didn't expect that number to be reached again in 2022, but they did expect well over a billion. Is that what you're kind of seeing, not just from GSA, but across the government, that agencies, either A, bigger contracts or just more of them when it comes to the infrastructure as a service, platform as a service? types of uh, uh, contracts.
1: It's interesting. I I would question how much of that spend GSA is ultimately seeing. Like they'll probably see it through their vehicles. The GSA cloud Sins. and I suspect those numbers are square on. I trust GSA implicitly. I think a number of agencies are buying outside the jurisdiction of GSA contracts and, and they're increasingly enabling their mission entities to do that procurement. So it's not all coming out of CIO shops as well, which is a little easier to manage and maintain from you know, a GSA central data gathering perspective. When it comes out of the mission, it can be a little harder to gather all those up. So I think the, for us, the trend is more mission consumption with the CIO collaboration on board versus it all having to channel through the CIO.
0: Yeah, definitely. That, that $1.6 billion was all GSA-focused. It was not government-wide. Government-wide, obviously, the uh, spending on cloud is, is much, much, much higher. I think uh, I read a recent GAO report that says DoD alone spent over a billion dollars on cloud itself. So, uh, And those right. are the unclassified side of it. Interesting, you said that you're seeing a lot more coming out of the mission side. Is that, do you think, a recognition of the benefits of cloud? And, and let's talk about over the last decade, what are some of those benefits that the agencies are starting to see, understand, and really embrace?
1: One of the obvious ones you started uh, our conversation mentioning costs. And I think the maybe an overriding theme is agencies with seasonal missions are increasingly looking to cloud to help level out and make more predictable that spend, and they no longer need to build for the worst hour on the worst day and hope they got enough. So whether it's in adoption of hybrid cloud, so surge capability to the cloud to handle seasonal, weekly, daily, hourly surges, or simply going all in on cloud, like healthcare.gov is a great example. You know, there's clearly massive surge around the first few days of open enrollment and the last few days of open enrollment. And uh, and those are well known and predictable, but CMS moved and we moved with them from to two private cloud providers into public cloud and that enabled them to handle those surges in, in an elastic compute way at a much lower cost point than they would have having to build for the worst hour of the worst day to still provide an acceptable user experience.
0: Thanks for that example. I think it's really important because folks maybe think something like healthcare.gov or so many other, those kind of mission capabilities are kind of stuck in this old way of thinking. When you talk to other clients, uh, you know, CMS is a good example. Do the mission folks get this idea of, of cloud, not just again, hey, we got to move it, but why they're moving towards it and the costs of moving to it? Are they are they getting their head around? Not necessarily it's cheaper, but at least they're getting more capabilities.
1: Yeah. And I think even if they don't initially get it, they come to get it over time. And then it's it's almost like you might have thought you were going to a corner grocery store. But when you open the door to it, you realize it's like the biggest whole foods you've ever seen. (laughs) And you're like, oh my goodness, all these fruit and vegetables and amazing foods. Like it is often a kid in a candy store when you see the availability of services and knowing each major cloud provider is spending approximately a billion dollars a month creating new services and products and new fruit and vegetables to be consumed like It's just a smorgasbord of opportunity. And how would you not want to be part of that? And once you're in and you've gotten through all the hurdles of security and finance and CIO consistency and, you know, mission assurance, like once you've gotten in that environment, the, the lift to do the next thing that is available to you is so much lighter it's not another ACAT one program or year-long procurement or like all of that goes away it's just consuming the next service and the next one and the next one and plugging the three together that make the most sense so like if i could give you an example of a early adopter who then increasingly found value i would point to department of education student loans where they move from, a, again, another private cloud data center, thesis into you know, a major cloud provider platform. In this case, it was AWS. And first, they saved money on the infrastructure move alone. Second, they realized once they're there, they can start taking advantage of AI and NLP services that were native to the AWS platform, so they could offer a chat bot. And so they launched a chat bot called Aiden, student aid, Aiden get it. So they offloaded call center traffic to the chat bot and to date have single digit millions of offloaded calls, which has significant financial benefit to them. They take the transactions in, from the call scripts and send them from the calls and send them to, you know, AWS's ML engine, SageMaker, to look at What was that call closure rate and speed and accuracy of the response and how should they refine the script so that it would be better next time so this virtuous cycle of uh, calls coming in being answered either or um, excuse me chats coming in and either being answered, you know, uh, perfectly right up front or maybe a slightly confused student or financial aid officer but the next time and the next time those transac- similar transactions happen they're just getting more and more and more efficient taking advantage of ml to train the models to be better and better in the chat interaction offloading more and more calls having happier and happier you know users that are interfacing with it so um so it's a uh, definitely a virtuous cycle first moving to infrastructure then taking advantage of all the native services
0: i think that's a really important example because that's kind of where i wanted to go next which is around those benefits and how to measure them but let me just take a half a step back before i do that tom you mentioned in the beginning you've seen a lot more platform as a service infrastructure as a service but maybe not as much software as a service do you get a sense of why agencies are they just not quite ready for software as a service or is that just two three four years away because of the application rationalization and all the pieces and parts that go with moving to SaaS?
1: No, uh, I excluded it because I think it's already a pretty burgeoning market and agencies are taking full advantage of, for me, all those like common PaaS platforms and low-code, no-code environments. Like that's sort of an easy entry point to cloud, but it isn't the hairy infrastructure side of it. It's the kind of the easier application layer interaction and uh, it may not get to the the heart of some of your questions around cost savings, security, et cetera, but as far as agility, nimbleness, and launching new solutions in short order. Like the SAS market is, I think, on fire and has been for a few years now. So the Salesforce ServiceNow, Pega, Appian, Power Apps, uh, et cetera, of the world is, they're all growing fast in the federal marketplace for good reason, because agencies uh, are allowing their mission customers the CIOs are allowing the mission customers to kind of consume them at will so there aren't as hard a set of gates around security and consistency and proliferation and cloud sprawl as it were that does happen and is a consideration in the infrastructure or platform as a service space
0: Tom on that note let's take a quick break we can then we can continue our conversation my guest is Tom Greiner, the senior managing director and technology lead at Accenture Federal Services I'm Jason Miller. Welcome back. My guest is Tom Greiner, the Senior Managing Director and Technology Lead at Accenture Federal Services. I'm Jason Miller. What are you seeing as some of the big trends for how agencies are measuring the benefits of clouds? What metrics are you seeing that's uh, most common?
1: Cost is a big one. It's sort of an easy one. And I think they are increasingly looking at old to new, like total cost of operation, as opposed to just what did it cost to move this app or what is it cost to keep these servers up? I think if they look at the total cost of mission delivery, and those agencies, frankly, that are leaning in harder to the cloud, it takes a—it's a little leap of faith to go maybe not all in, but seventy percent into the cloud or fifty percent into the cloud versus dabbling as an experiment. But those who are going in pretty heartily, I think, are seeing notable returns in total cost of operation, and that would be a combination of personnel costs, contractor costs, facility costs, IT costs, software costs, et cetera, kind of all of that put together. I think there's a risk in just measuring a piece of it and not looking at the bigger picture of, oh, well, yeah, I saved a little money here, but this other thing is way harder now. And I need four people to operate it when I only needed one, which does happen when folks dabble. So there's a risk of dabbling and being disenchanted and not really taking the bigger step. And those who've gotten on the other side of that hump that have taken the big step, I think are seeing notable returns. And those are the same folks we are seeing on stage at each of the major you know, cloud conferences, their they're federal equivalents, the people up there telling the stories are the ones that have, have embraced it and gotten to the other side of that, uh, that cost and value journey. What's really interesting, Jason, is the, uh, the opportunities for agencies to even reinvent what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I think of someone like municipal securities rulemaking board, MSRB, you know, they were kind of in the application to report business, like producing a PDF off the back of an application. And, and that was sort of the business model and, and they have really embraced their move to the cloud and are, I think reinventing themselves as an agency and thinking of themselves. Like we are in the data business and mining this data you know, for our consumers and users benefit and digging into the native services provided by the cloud to enable that capability for their, for their user base. So again, just another example of that may be not where they started the journey, but holy cow, they're really embracing it and, and turning their business models a bit on the head, which really gets into it. I think a second key part of what I'm seeing as increasingly important to to cloud buyers in government agencies today, where it was largely CIO driven and set up my landing zone, move my app, provide me the ATO paperwork, show me the security posture. You know, that's all table stakes at this point. And I think what's increasingly important is, you know, how are you ready in my workforce? Like, how are you going to measure that this is successful and going to continue to progress us? Am I leaving behind my old contractors and workforce? Or are they coming along on this journey for me in some subset? Like what is the training protocol to reskill this workforce, to move from mainframe operation to cloud operation? What are the new job series and skills required? And do I need to reorganize and have like a cloud outreach person to each mission program? Like what, how do I get from here to there organizationally, culturally? and from a skill and talent standpoint so there's a lot to be consumed in all of that but it's it's a it's increasingly part of the discussion of wow yeah okay the bits and bytes work how about the rest of it how about the human and process side of it that uh, can often trip up bigger programs
0: do you get a sense this is true cost savings or more cost avoidance or it's always a combination
1: yeah and i think if it's a total cost of ownership look it's often cost saving I think it's fair to measure the should cost. Like what should that have cost in the old model? If we, like the education example, if those X million calls continued to go to the call center and the call handle time was an average of 22 minutes and the first call closure rate was 75%, you know, you can come up with a math that'll tell you what is the value of moving that call to a chat interaction and never having to pay that call center agent or contractor to do that piece of work. And instead, the machine, the cloud, was doing that work for me. Really, really easily measurable. And I bet when you do the math on something like that, it more than offsets the cost of building the cloud landing zone and or moving a subset of apps to the cloud. So when you look at the total cost of the operation, taking advantage of the cloud, the more you take advantage of, the more you're going to find it actually is a lower cost over time. For those that are still dabbling and are dabbling in a non-optimized configuration, they will, like if they are are leaving the cloud on all day and all night, but their operation is only during the day, that's kind of a problem. They can be turned off at night and come back on in the day and they'll be all fine if you don't have to pay for that time. Like those are learnings that I think some of the agencies dipping their toes in are still just going through. And then again, non-optimized configuration of overspending for highly available storage where having it less available with a slight latency and response time is perfectly fine for a one-hour or one-day use case of you know, dealing with a constituent versus it being immediately available when it doesn't really matter to the end consumer. So matching the service need with the cloud configuration is, I think, a huge part of the journey many early adopters still need to go through.
0: That was actually going to be my next question, which was going to be, what are some of those remaining challenges? So matching service adoption with with, uh, the cloud providers is a good one. Are you seeing maybe some other areas where agencies are struggling to kind of measure their cloud costs? Or or is it a lack of, sometimes it's that, I remember years ago, and uh, if you've been around as long as maybe I have, A76 should come up, right? You remember competitive sourcing under the Bush administration, and they would talk about things like the government doesn't have to pay for electricity, or they don't have to pay for heat you know, when you talk about A76, because they already own the building. Do you see some of that sometimes pop up?
1: Yeah, I think there's some surprises. So I think when agencies move from on-premises solutions, data centers, or private clouds that are managed private cloud environments, and they move to a public cloud, they forget that someone needs to manage the public cloud environment. Like it, And they don't realize how much was actually being done for them in the on-premises or private cloud environment and can be surprised at what those layers of costs are that are required to properly manage the secure posture of whatever data it is they're choosing to put in whatever various you know gov clouds or higher order security regions so that can be a surprise and Again, the more they embrace of that environment, and the more serv- native services they consume will tell a lower total cost story over time. And if you think of the like the reason why, to be at a DoD IL for impact level four security posture, and the services that have met that by whichever native cloud provider they're consuming, the next service to consume. They're already in the environment. It's already sufficiently secure. And is the cloud provider's responsibility to continue to produce appropriately secure, you know, software slash services to be consumed. There still is a role for the managed services to play this scanning and patching of the inevitable occasional third-party products that need to plug into that environment or the identity and access management control and configuration who can get to this data under what circumstance from which applications. Like someone still needs to be architecting and figuring that out. But a lot of the blocking and tackling of that risk of the third-party software is taken away when you consume the cloud native services, which in my view is why largely the cloud providers are consuming the software market. Slowly but surely, they're nibbling away at the software market as they build better and better services that operate at fractions of a penny on the dollar. Good example, again, I appreciate
0: the fact you're kind of bringing it to a level that people kind of can can understand how to get their head around of what those challenges are, the costs that still maybe are sometimes overlooked because, oh, you're not just pushing it to the cloud provider and saying, I'm done and wiping your hands from it. There's, there's a bigger role that sometimes uh, I think p- folks or all organizations, public or private sector, has to make sure they, they embrace. One of the ways that we talk about measuring the, the clouds and, and measuring cloud services and the value and benefits of clouds, are, are you starting to see agencies look at different frameworks, whether you know it's, it's the popular technology business management or other ones that agencies are saying, okay, here's, here's a good approach to understanding just exactly the impact of cloud?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the system integrators out there like us and our natural competitors all have our proprietary approaches for, you know, what has worked with either other agencies or our global commercial brethren for just how best to represent either a point in time activity or a journey over time and show cost and most importantly value. In that. So what are you getting for what are you spending? And how do you make that case to either a board or shareholders or oversight agency X? So or approving authority Y. So I think and we all have slight variants of answering that same question to tee up the natural conversation of is this worth it? When will I break even? What other reasons might I want to go there? And what risks am I taking on? And is that acceptable for the benefit I'm achieving? Like, that's the natural conversation that will ultimately happen. And the frameworks and tooling that allow you to, you know, present that data in a consistent, consumable way kind of depends on the receiving party. So, uh, were I supporting, uh, In agencies' request for TMF funding, I might be more inclined to make sure my TBM model was up to snuff and OMB might have been pre-briefed on it and um, and it might accompany my OMB 300 request for future funding for a particular initiative because TBM is increasingly understood and accepted model of how to facilitate that, you know, that core dialogue.
0: One of the other things I want to make sure we hit upon before I let you go, and you've been very generous with your time, so I appreciate that, is how is this idea of this cloud migration, understanding total cost of operations, understanding uh, from a mission side, how is that kind of potentially, and and, and maybe what you're seeing in in real time, giving agencies that we'll, we'll call the competitive advantage
1: I can think of a bunch of examples, even currently, of a number of programs we're supporting. It's rare the new program comes out that isn't asking for cloud. I do see that more and more agencies are understanding how cloud and the spend and the total cost of operation value fits into the equation of helping them. And I'd say from a competitive standpoint, compete with their old model and provide a newer, better experience to consumers at a same or lower cost to then provide those same services to a wider community that by law, they need to or want to address. Tom, unfortunately though, we are
0: out of time for today. I very much enjoyed a conversation. I learned a lot. So let me thank my guest. Tom Greiner is the Senior Managing Director and Technology Lead at Accenture Federal Services. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks so much, Jason.